0: Teresa and I went to the Portland Art Museum for the first time a couple of weeks ago. And it was interesting to walk through and see all of the different paintings and things. And there were some paintings that we sort of breezed right by. And there were some paintings that we spent a bit of time looking at. And one of the things that I noticed is that some of the paintings are framed and some of the paintings are not framed. And the frame can make a fairly big difference on how you're appreciating this picture. We, there was a, a section in the European wing where we were walking through and looking, and the frames were, were gold and ornate. And I, I just, there were a couple of pictures that I'm just looking at this frame going, How in the world did someone do this? The woodworking required for this and the symmetry and all, it just is amazing. And there were some of them that honestly, the the frame detracted from the picture itself. And there were others that the, the frame just highlighted the picture. And the reason that I say that is because like pictures, when they're framed properly, it highlights the picture. We want to see this morning in our text how this text this morning highlights the gospel. Okay, But we can't confuse what's important and what's primary, right? If we get that confused, then all of the emphasis gets placed on the frame rather than the picture, and it detracts from the pic- picture. And so I want to set up for you what the picture is as we're getting into Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verses, primarily verses 11 through 13, but first let's start in verse 1 of Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And so as we we read um, this morning, as we started off from from chapter 5, about uh, how much God loves us, that while we were still in our sin, while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. That's the mercy of God. And it's by that mercy that He appeals to us. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We we are to, in the way that we use our bodies, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but I do want to remind us of this, that in the way that we use our bodies, this is our spiritual worship to God. So when you wake up in, in the morning and you brush your teeth and you get ready for the day, You are preparing for the day in how you will present yourself to the world. That's why, in part why you're brushing your teeth, right? Because you want to present yourself to the world with decent breath. Why do you want to do that? It brings glory to God. Now, you wouldn't normally think about brushing your teeth in the morning as a way to prepare your body to bring glory to God. But in the way that you present your body throughout the day, this is your spiritual act of worship. In the way that you eat, in the way that you get ready for the day, in the way that you care for your kids, in the way that you interact with your coworkers or your spouse or your parents in the way that you interact with the people on the freeway driving next to you, this is your spiritual act of worship. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. He's, he's saying, look, this is what it looks like. You, you, If you want to offer your body as a living sacrifice, as spiritual worship to God, then you have to first transform your mind into thinking like the will of God, like the desires of God that He has for your life. When you start aligning your thinking with that which is good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God, that is when your life, whatever you happen to be doing at that time, is your spiritual act of worship. And he begins to describe then what this looks like, what this transforming of the mind looks like. To not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think of yourself appropriately and interact within the body of Christ as a member of the body of Christ. Because this is your spiritual worship. And he goes on to to talk about the gifts that that are given so that we can do that in verses 6-8. through Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each of us is different, but we use our gifts in different ways. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Now we're getting into our text for this morning. Let love be genuine. This is the the title for for this next section, which we talked about last week, that this is an unhypocritical love. This is the description of a love that is without hypocrisy. This is a genuine love. This is what that looks like. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another In showing honor, just really care about other people, prioritizing them, lifting them up, and encouraging them. And now we look at these verses 11 through 13. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now you, you may have, have noticed as I read that, I, I read it in sort of a boom, 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 boom kind of way. And the reason for, for doing that is because it is, it's just like a, a rapid fire poke almost. Just eight times, poke, 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 poke with this emphasis In in fact, if if we were to just um, have a really wooden translation from the, the Greek, it would read like this. In the eagerness, not hesitating. In spirit, being excited. In the Lord, serving. In hope, rejoicing. In the affliction, enduring. In the prayer, persisting. In the needs of the saints, sharing. In the hospitality, pursuing. Just wham, 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 wham. You want to know what an unhypocritical love is? It's these things. Like bullet points. And when you're reading a a, a list like that and and you come to a document that has bullet points, it's not like it just flows like this really clear narrative or this really fun, it's just this punchy. Get to the point, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. And so as he's talking about this love that is not hypocritical, this this genuine kind of love that we have as believers, these are the things that he's emphasizing. Rejoice in hope. Wait, hang on. Let's go back to 11 rather than 12. Do not be slothful in zeal. That's a mouthful. Do not be slothful in zeal. In in your eagerness, don't hold back. Don't hesitate. Have you seen athletes that that there's like so? Super Bowl's coming up next week, and you'll see this occasionally that a white a receiver is running, and the quarterback gets ready to throw, and he sees him, and he throws the ball, and then the 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 receiver lets up. And the quarterback is doing like this. Why'd you hold back? And the ball goes sailing right over the head of the receiver. And the quarterback's going, we've run this route how many times? You run, I throw it to where you're going to be, you jump and you catch that ball. Why did you hold back? There are times in which, uh, and I've mentioned this before, I'm a competitive person. There are times when I'm playing with my kids that I hold back. And then there are times when I go play with other people and, I, and one of my teammates will go, why are you holding back? I, I don't know. Don't hold back. Go all in. So what, what he's saying here is don't be slothful in zeal. In, in your eagerness, in your zeal, in your passion, move forward. Press in. Let's get this done. Now, we, we just heard this word zeal a few verses ago in, in uh, verse 8. In verse 8, when he was talking about the gifts, he said, uh, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads... With zeal, the one who leads with zeal. As as you are pressing in, then then just do that. Go all in on this. Don't hold back. I I, I see this from from time to to time, uh, all the time. That people hold back. You're you're engaged in ministry and and you you want to to serve and but you you just you don't want to all the way commit because because what if it becomes a lot How, how much more time if I just offer to help a little bit that's one thing but if I commit myself then I'm all in and who knows what they might ask me to do. And so people hold back. Or they go, well, you know, I'm happy to help, but I don't want to lead. Well, why not? Well, that's just not really me. I'm not really the leader type. I I find that, that most often the difference between somebody who's leading and somebody who's not leading is responsibility. And what they're actually saying is, I want to help, I just don't want to be responsible for it. So that if it doesn't go well, or if it fails, or if I run out of time, or if I don't follow through, or whatever, that's on somebody else. Don't hold back. You want to know what a genuine love is? You want to know what, what really pressing in to build up the body of Christ looks like? Then you jump all in. Don't be slothful in zeal. In your eagerness, in your zeal, press in and don't hold back and let's see what happens. What's the worst that's going to happen? It might not work and you'll be the one responsible for it. But that's okay. Nobody else was stepping up. And this is the church. If you're going to fail someplace, fail here. We're supposed to love you anyway. So, so jump all in. Don't be slothful in zeal. In, in, in your spirit, be excited. Be fervent in spirit. Be fervent in spirit. When you, when you come to, to serve and to help and to engage, then, then, then do that with some, some energy. Be excited about that. That's not to say, don't ever serve unless you're excited about it. I find that most often I have to serve somewhere before I get excited about it. Because those kids next door, they're intimidating. They're only this high, but they're intimidating. And it's really hard to get excited about serving next door in the children's ministry. Unless you accidentally go over there and observe for a little while. And you see what's going on. It, it's kind of hard to commit to giving up time on Wednesday nights to go serve in Iwana Or Friday evenings once a month to serve at, at Foster Parents Night Out. But when you s- start seeing what's happening there, it's kind of hard not to get excited. There's lots of stuff going on. There are lots of things we could be doing if we had people who came with energy and excitement to do it. We've got some people who have been serving very faithfully. They brought all kinds of energy and zeal and excitement for years and they would love to have anybody come in alongside with some supercharged energy and here we go, let's accelerate this thing. As a leader in ministry, when anybody comes in with any kind of energy, it gives me energy too. I can be having the worst week. It can be a real drag. And I'm just going, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And somebody else comes alongside and they're like, I'm brand new. Let's go. Oh, well, here we go. Do it with energy. Energy. Just, just decide, I'm, I'm gonna bring energy to this. And, and if you're starting to slip, if you're starting to falter, then, then reach out. Tell somebody about that. Let's, let's not have that wane and flag without other people coming alongside and going, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's do this together as a team. It's one of the reasons that one of our core values at New Life Church is that we serve as a team. We serve as a team. Because we don't want anybody doing it all by themselves in their own strength and their own power. And when they start to run out of strength and power, woo! We lose a ministry and we lose a worker. That's a really hard road. When somebody's pushing all by themselves and then they just run out of steam and boom, fall flat on their face. And how come so-and-so doesn't come to church anymore? Well, we, we wore them out. They needed help and they didn't ask for it, or they asked for it and they didn't get it. Let's, let's not do that. Let's, let's bring energy to come alongside. In your spirit, being excited. In the Lord, serving. He, look, we don't hold back. In our zeal, we do engage instead because we're serving the Lord, right? This is our spiritual act of worship. Why would you hold back on that? Uh, Side note: If you're here on Sunday mornings and we're singing and praising God together, and you're holding back because this doesn't feel like your area of giftedness to sing. Don't. Let it out. You don't have to hold back. This is our worship to God. And whether that's in service, or whether that's in singing, or whether that's coming alongside somebody and encouraging them, or hospitality, or serving in your life group, all of these things, these are are your spiritual worship to God, just like brushing your teeth. Maybe more so. You are serving the Lord. In verses 6-8 through eight, it said that we each have gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. We, we each have different ways that God has, has made us and created us to be. And sometimes for a season we have this gift. Or, and for a season we have that gift. Or we're utilizing one more than another. And we discover that actually I do have the gift of service. I never knew that. Actually, I can teach. I just never had the opportunity before. God's been developing this gift in me. Or exhortation or contribution. Here we go, all together. And just as he had boom, 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 these these three about serving, right? Not holding back, bringing energy, doing it in the Lord... Now, now we have some things, some responses to our own circumstances. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three again. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. There are times that in our lives, this is a time, a season of hope. You, where we're just looking at the things that are to come, the, the stuff that's right in front of us, and we're looking at that and we're going... Wow, I'm excited right now. I can just see what God is doing in my life and I can see what's coming next and I can see the step after that and I have hope then about the the step three or four or five steps down. I don't quite know what it is yet, but I see that coming. And we rejoice. We rejoice in hope. Hope is is this this thing that's coming up soon that we anticipate that God is going to do. Do you know I look at this church and I have a lot of hope? I have a lot of hope. Because I'm seeing people coming into the church and I'm seeing ministries begin to happen and I'm seeing people bring energy and leadership to things and taking responsibility for stuff and I'm going, ooh. Oh, we are about to hit our stride. We are about to hit our stride. And just one or two things need to fall in place and we're going to hit the nitro and pow! Here we go. And I'm rejoicing because of the stuff that God is doing in this church, in you, and through you. And I'm looking at this stuff and I'm going... Oh, here we go, here we go, here we go! And sometimes we rejoice because we have a lot of hope about what's coming, and sometimes we are patient in tribulation. And that is, we, we are, when we are feeling afflicted, enduring the affliction. And one of the crazy things about being part of a church is that you both rejoice in hope and endure affliction at the same time. Because not everybody in this room has hope about what's coming up. Some of you are feeling very afflicted. Have patience. Endure. Hang on. Don't give up. We're going to make it through. We're going to make it through. How do I know that? Because of God's promises. Because of the hope that we have about what is coming. That because Jesus has come already and died on the cross, I know that sin and evil have been defeated. We haven't seen that all played out and its reality take its full shape yet, but we are seeing that in pieces. And I know because I have hope and I see what's coming that one day Jesus is going to return again and all evil and all sin will be dealt with. And all judgment will take place. And everything will be made right. I don't know how long it's going to take before we get there. He could come tomorrow or it could be many generations yet. But this I know, that that time is coming and right now we can hang on. Hang on. And if you're feeling hopeful right now and you know of someone else in this congregation or a friend of yours that's hanging on in tribulation, can you come alongside them and hang on in tribulation with them? Hang on in affliction with them. Encourage them. Encourage them to not let go. To be patient. I don't know why, but somehow, when I'm having a hopeful day, those days go really fast. And when I'm having a patient day in the midst of tribulation, those days go really slow. It's a long season. And it feels longer. But God is with us. And I hope that if you are in that place right now, that you are experiencing brothers and sisters in Christ coming alongside you and putting their arms around you and encouraging you and supporting you and praying for you. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. In the prayer persisting. There is an expectation that whether we are hopeful and rejoicing in the things that are about to come, or whether we are being patient in the tribulation of today, either way, we are constantly praying. We are persisting in prayer. It's the, the lifeblood of the church the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the people of the church this constant communication with God, saying, God, what is Your will in this? God, would You act here? God, would You respond? God, You are so glorious for all that You have have been doing. God, I don't understand this. Would You bring hope and encouragement? God, would You bring somebody alongside to help? All of this prayer. Do you know, we yesterday celebrated a memorial. Frida and Boyd prayed every day. They prayed every day and they prayed for you. They would take the church directory. Boyd was was constantly coming up to me going, can we get a new directory? This one seems to be outdated. Do you know how I know when the the directory is outdated? Boyd tells me. Because every single morning Boyd and Frida would get together and they would pray together through the directory. I'm so hopeful Boyd continues that. But we need some people to step up and take Frida's place. To pray and pray and pray and pray. If you aren't sure that prayer matters, this church changed when Boyd and Frida joined this church. And I am confident it's because of their prayers. Persistent in prayer persistent in prayer praying is hard it's hard work it's hard to have the discipline to set time aside to pray and doing the praying is hard work some of you go oh man i should do that i I, I think i'll start praying for like a half an hour an hour a day just start with a few minutes work up to that because prayer real intercess real intercession for other people it's a lot of work it weighs heavy because you are petitioning the god of the universe on behalf of your fellow brothers and sisters in christ And while He says He will bear our burdens, He also calls us to bear one another's burdens. And that's why we come in prayer. It's great to have tangible ways of bringing meals to people, walking alongside them with words or notes of encouragement, but also to be praying for them in a meaningful way. It's a lot of work but we expect that a real love, an unhypocritical love, doesn't just say, I hope you're doing well. But says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And you are. That's the unhypocritical part. That's the sincere and genuine part that you're actually praying for them and lifting them up. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. We had this one, two, three, one, two, three, and now we have one, two. In the needs of the saints, sharing. In the needs of the saints, sharing. Sharing. When it says contribute to the needs of the saints, it, it seems so impersonal to me. Oh, those saints have needs here. I'll give you a little something for that. Uh, that's not what this is talking about. Helpful and encouraging, yes. But that's not the kind of sharing in their needs that this is talking about. This is talking about walking alongside. Life group love. I love to see this kind of thing in the life groups. That when you're spending time with other people and you get to know them and you start to hear about the things that they're dealing with and then you come alongside them and you encourage them and you share in their needs, you're praying for them, you're contributing to their needs, you're encouraging them, you're checking in on them. I've had people tell me that um, they don't have time for life group, or that life group isn't interesting to them, or they, they don't they don't see the value of life groups. And I, I just have to say, um, I have never had time for life groups. I. I There have been seasons that Teresa and I have been involved in a life group, and we have talked about it afterwards and gone, Ah, this is a long season. We've had five babies in life groups. There have been so many times that afterwards, Teresa would go, Does it even matter that I'm there? Does it, does it even matter that I'm there? I wasn't engaged in the conversation. My kids were a distraction. I just got up and, and dealt with them the whole time. It would have been easier on me and the group if I had stayed home. Now, we're being real now. But do you know the relationships that we have because of those seasons and continue to have because of being in life group with people, because of having a discipline and a habit of being engaged. Now, there, there are legitimate reasons. There are times in which you might not be able to be engaged in a life group for a little while. But I would encourage you to say, this is how long the season is going to last. And when it's over, I am going to discipline myself to, to join a life group. Because in the day-to-day you do it, it just hurts. We talk about being in life groups in the sense of, um, that we frustrate one another. That's how you know you're close enough to your life group. If you're frustrated with the people in your life group, right on. You're doing life group right. If you find that, wow, I just delight in life group. Every time I couldn't think of anything I would rather do than this. These people are delightful. Uh, You're not quite close enough yet. I'm very glad for you that you are rejoicing in hope. You will also need to be patient in tribulation. Because that's what happens in life group. And it builds these relationships. We we, we live life with people and walk alongside them and encourage them and and just contribute to the needs. We share in the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. Quite, quite literally, in hospitality, pursuing. Pursuing hospitality. That not, not the kind of thing where somebody comes to you and goes, ah, you know, would you be willing to host this thing? Yeah, I suppose I could do that. No, looking for opportunities to exhibit and show hospitality and and when it's talking about that that can be like here in the church or you're having family over or that kind of thing that that is hospitality but but this kind of hospitality is more of a um i I'm inviting people outside in right so there there's your your biological family there's your spiritual family those are family and you're just having them over that's a given. Everybody does that. But then there's this, this kind of hospitality that he, he's talking about. Is, is uh, Think about it in these terms. There were not a lot of hotels at the time that Paul was writing this. And so if you uh, traveled from one place to another and you didn't have family or somebody to stay with as you were traveling and you entered a, a, a town, you would maybe go to a town square and hope that someone, some hospitable person, would invite you in, and because everybody knows that if we don 't do this, the next time i 'm traveling and i 'm out, I would really like for someone to invite me in, so i don 't have to sleep outside, and so um, there might be times that you 're walking along and you 'd see somebody and you 'd go i don 't recognize them. They might be an outsider, a foreigner. I won't check on that just in case, right? That, that you would avoid so that you wouldn't have to um, feel obligated to be hospitable. But what he's talking about here is, no, 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 have the kind of genuine love, unhypocritical love that says, I love people, I love people in my family, I love people in the church, I love people outside, Foreigners and strangers that I don't know, I love them. How would we know that? Because you are pursuing hospitality. You are looking for opportunities to invite people over or in some other way, help somebody move from the outside to the inside and we're going to treat them like family. That's hospitality. We have hospitality here. When people walk in those doors and we say, hi, welcome, I'm glad you're here, let me introduce you to so-and-so, would you like to join a life group, we'd love to have you come to ours, that's hospitality. When you hear of somebody in need and you want to help them out, that's hospitality. And so he just boom, 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 has these bullet points. And as I was looking through these bullet points about how we can, how we can uh, be eager and not holding back in our zeal, be excited in our spirit, serving the Lord, I went, hey, you know what? We have a value of serving at New Life Church. That's one of our core values. When we talk about things that are important to us at New Life Church, you'll hear us talking about delight and serve and connect and engage. Those are the four words that we use to talk about the stuff that we want to do. And as I was looking through this, I went, whoa, they're all here. It's almost like the things that we want to do as New Life Church is biblical. This was not the text we had been looking at when we were pulling up these things. But, but here it is, right? In your eagerness, don't hesitate. Don't hold back. But be excited in your spirit to serve the Lord, that, that we would serve. And then we have this delight section in, in verse uh, 12. Verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer that we would delight in God. Whether the times are good or whether the times are hard, we will be constantly in prayer, delighting in God, rejoicing in Him. And then we connect. Contributing to the needs of the saints that we are connecting with each other. When we're talking about, about that kind of connected, we're ta- talking about um, engaging like in life groups or in other relationships. And I, I know that some of you are going, well, I'm not in a life group right now, but I'm definitely connected to other people in this church. And I see that. I see that. There's this connectedness. And then Engaging. We talk about engaging those who are disconnected from God so that they might delight in Him through Jesus. That we would engage those. and Show hospitality. Engaging those who are outside so that they might come in. Delight, serve, connect, engage. We, We just see them right here. I'm not going to spend a long time on that because I've already spent a long time on these things, but I just want to, to show you that that's there. Just as, as Paul's punching out these bullet points, we see our values here. And this is an unhypocritical love. This is what an unhypocritical love looks like. This is what a good frame looks like. But let's not distract from the picture itself. Right? Right? Why is it important that we do these things? Well, because we want to be the most impressive Christians on the face of the earth. No. It's because when we do these things, it expresses a genuine love that highlights the glory of the gospel of Jesus. It frames it in such a way. If it was a bad frame, if these things aren't there, we would go, huh, that's weird. We would normally expect to see these kinds of things. It'd be kind of like having this, this frame that, for some of you like me, you know when the frames don't quite join in the middle? Right on the corner, the way that they're supposed to line up, but there's instead this, this, like this crack because somebody didn't make the frame quite square, and so the angles aren't quite... It might be a little bit distracting to some of us to see that. And so every time we try and look at the picture, all we see is the corner of this frame that doesn't line up right. And it draws our attention away from the Gospel to the lives of the people who are supposed to be framing it. When we demonstrate an unhypocritical love, it takes the focus off of us, the frame, and drives all of the glory to God because it is by His mercies that we have received these things. It is by His grace and by His empowering that we are able to do it. And so everything that we do is our spiritual act of worship. And when we worship, it's bringing glory to God. That's what worship is. And so I would encourage you, if you have been stung by a couple of these bullet points and you got, oh man, that's not really me. There's sort of a crack in the frame over here. Okay, let's address that. But also, this is not the emphasis. This is the spiritual act of worship. We're not going to throw you out of the church because you have a crack. We're not going, God, God is, is not going to be displeased with you, but let's work, work on shoring that up so that the love of God is highlighted and so that we are bringing glory to Him. Can we do that together? Let's pray and then let's rejoice together and don't hold back, but worship Him with your whole heart and with your whole being.